Welcome to Transform and Thrive. Your host, Helen Lee, examines the opportunities and practical solutions for individuals and organizations to transform and thrive in these times. She shares her wisdom and that of other changemakers impacting our world. Tune in for innovative and holistic tools and empowering strategies to reinvent yourself and or your organization and flourish in a world facing different crises. Hi everyone, this is Helen Lee. Welcome to Transform and Thrive. This is part two of a most interesting interview with Mia Kirikos, who is a well-respected global leader in the wellness industry. She sits on the advisory boards of Cornell University, Wellness for Cancer, and the Global Wellness Institute. She's also a celebrated speaker and has had her work and expertise featured in the New York Times, LA Times, Travel Weekly, and more, and is the President and Chief Love Officer of Kirikos & Associates. Mia very courageously, at the start of the pandemic in 2020, stuck her neck out a couple of times, a couple of years ago rather, to change her title from Chief Executive Officer to Chief Love Officer, as she felt there was no better time when the world has really been shaken to its core in many ways to implement love as a business practice and take it from the bedroom to the boardroom. I not only can't agree more, but would like to add that even before that in 2018, I had advocated the idea that there is no other way to save our world but to rise up in love, to love and honour ourselves and others so much more than we do now. This is simply because what we have right now isn't working and hasn't worked for centuries. We most definitely need a new model of human intelligence, which is something I have been advocating for more than a decade. And the centre of this higher intelligence is love. Not a sentimental or mushy human love, but what I call invincible love, which is the essence of everything in existence. We cannot be so parochial and think that only what humans now think and how we currently operate is the be-all and end-all. That's an extremely narrow way of thinking and being, if we dare not even venture beyond that. Mia Kirikos has ventured beyond that, and she has been doing so in a way that is able to reach some who have had enough of the status quo and want new ideas and strategies to deal with all that is confronting our lives and our businesses. I couldn't be happier to have chanced upon Mia as a solid example of someone who has successfully made love a business strategy and made money out of it as well. She has to be proof that it works and she's happily persuading others to join her. She gathers data of large companies such as Subaru, Southwest Airlines and Prudential as having profited from using love in business as well, in a way that is genuine and from the heart. I have covered the subject of loving and honouring ourselves and others in many episodes and introduced the idea of deservability, a term and concept I coined 
to help people raise their deservability quotient, or DQ, or their ability to feel deserving. The more we can love, appreciate and respect ourselves, the more we can do the same for others. And of course, it makes perfect sense that we need to do this not only in our personal lives, but in our business or work lives as well. We can for sure get so much more out of ourselves and others if we treat ourselves and each other with great care, consideration and respect. Mia has made it her mission to legitimize making love a business strategy and showing people the hard facts why this works and makes great business sense. When I interviewed a mutual friend of ours, Neil Jacobs, the CEO of Six Senses, an international chain of luxury resorts, hotels and spas, for an extensive episode 14, we already discussed the idea of deliberately adopting love in business and successfully combining commercialism with consciousness. I can't be happier that there is a movement forward with this and people are beginning to recognize the need to incorporate love and a higher consciousness in all areas of our lives, including business at all levels, and pragmatically make money at the same time. Being loving doesn't equate to poverty. Being kind and conscious doesn't mean failure in business at all. Far from it, in fact. My message to the world is that along with love comes abundance of all kind, including material abundance or wealth. And it's not about abundance for some only, but abundance for all, that's for sure. What I often say is when you are in your loving power, you have a clear idea of who you are, what you want, and where you're going. And by embodying this invincible love, this powerful love that can never be vanquished, and that is wise beyond measure. We bring this powerful energy into the business world, which would inevitably result in bringing creativity, innovation, intelligent solutions, and a level of consciousness and understanding that brings out the best in people that therefore harnesses tremendous power from all concerned to create the tangible and desired results for both the company and the people. All manner of bottom line outcomes can be achieved, both tangible and intangible and long-lasting. I will be organizing masterclasses with some of my podcast guests, hopefully including Mia, with her full consent, of course, and possibly with follow-on causes as well. Meanwhile, in the second part of my interview with Mia, I ask her if she teaches her clients how to love themselves, and she talks about my coming up with a class on this. In fact, I've always taught this in all my programs, that is, how to love and honour ourselves and others, how self-love is the most practical and unselfish thing to be exercising without being indulgent or narcissistic, how it helps us to love others so much more and helps us succeed for ourselves and our loved ones, as well as be able to do so much more for others, even the whole world. 
I teach people to raise their deservability quotient, as mentioned earlier, and to come from both love and power simultaneously, both our heart center and the solar plexus, where these two energies are stored. They are much more than emotions. They are creative energies that need to be expanded and combined. In this episode, Mia also talks about the five love lessons she advocates, including what the American psychology professor Dr. Barbara Fredrickson teaches about positivity and its many forms, the greatest of which being love. We also talk about this being the path forward for all of humanity, as I've been expounding for my entire podcast so far and will continue to do so in a variety of ways with a variety of change makers whom I will invite to my Transform and Thrive show. For now, I'd like, you to invite, I'd like to invite you to sit back, relax, and enjoy all that Mia has to share in this episode. Do you teach people your, or your clients how to love themselves? Let me tell you, I have not found the recipe for that, but I speak to that. And because that is probably the most sensitive topic that there is, Helen, and maybe that's where you can come up with what that class should be because loving yourself or the people that are most removed or most critical of love as the business strategy are generally the ones that have the least amount of love in their lives towards themselves and to one another. Totally. And so this is why one of the key pillars of well-being is really about social connection, joy, happiness, the things that you have in your life. And if you do not have love in your life, and if you do not love yourself, it is, and again, it's loving yourself. It's the biggest test of trust that there is. I mean, to love yourself is the biggest test of if you trust yourself. And so it's a, that's a very hard conversation to have. I've not mastered that class yet, but I do go there because I start asking about what they do for fun. Yes. You know, what kind of relationships do they have? Yes. Do they have kids? Are they married? Are they connected to somebody? What's the relationship with their parents? What was it like growing up? You almost get to a place of psychoanalyzing because you're trying to see if and where love does exist in that person's life towards themselves or towards each other. Um, and that is the ultimate test is really understanding if they love themselves or if they feel loved by others. Mm. You know? and, and we all know that's a very hard thing to do. Well, I have conducted, I, they were actually my first group of uh, individuals whom I coached. They're, they're multimillionaires and uh, top business leaders. And we talked about, you know, bringing balance to their lives and organizations. And then it led to other things, right? We, we didn't, still didn't mention love, but we talked about their personal lives and so on. Because in the end, they were more interested in themselves than in the organizations because they, they know that if they sort themselves out then they can bring that to to their workplace and sort that out right exactly so it can, well, can be done yeah well and the way you, you also I, I say i always like to find the crack in the armor there's two things 
it's hard to say, do you love yourself or how do you love yourself? Or do you have love in your life? But it's easy to, to give people permission because we're all human. And so you tie it to humanity. But oftentimes I ask people that are really having a hard time, whether it's love as a business strategy or self-love or whatever, I ask them if they schedule their lives, you know, you know, these are type A individuals that typically schedule every moment of their day. So that's when I ask, oh, do you schedule joy? Do you schedule love? Do you schedule happiness breaks? Do you, do you schedule that? And they look at me now, they look at me like I have 10 heads. <laughs> do you schedule play? Yeah. Because I, when I look at my calendar, like a first thing on a Monday morning, or, or typically I do this on a Friday afternoon, the last thing I do is I look for the schedule of the next week. And if I have a really tough week coming up, I'm like, wow, I need to schedule dinner with a friend, lunch with my sister, coffee with my dad, whatever it is, because I don't have enough love scheduled. It's easier to say, do you have play scheduled? So I'll say that for me, it's, do I have enough love scheduled? Right. And I have like my morning coffee with my husband or whatever is I have my own rituals, but for people that find, again, this concept's foreign, I literally say schedule it. And I don't care if that means connecting with a friend, connecting with a spouse. I don't care if that's literally making time to be intimate with a significant other, whatever it ends up being schedule it. Because disproportionately, if your life is 100% focused on either the work that you have to do, what you need to produce, getting the kids here, there, and everywhere, if you do not schedule it, it does not become habit. It does not become who you are. And some people are innately lovely humans like you are, Helen, for people that do not feel that or they're not tied to themselves, um, you need to look at how what their habits are and find a way to plug it in to the way they're used to operating their lives to basically crack the armor. Yeah, I, I learned that from Tony Robbins years ago about scheduling everything. Yes, yes. <laughs> and it works. Yes, it does work. It absolutely works. I mean, even if you, you know, sort of cancel some things, but at least you are working towards something, right? Yes. Your focus on what you want to create, basically, you know. Exactly your life exactly. as time just flies by and it's gone and you don't have what you long for right exactly yeah. exactly Mia you also in that master class talked about five love lessons is that worth mentioning right now sure sure I'm happy to, to mention them so the five love lessons that I learned about um and some we've sort of touched on but I'll just it's worth repeating one is that there are companies out there, you have to look for them that have already made love a strategic priority, you know, and it's paid off. So I've learned that from Subaru and Southwest Airlines, but also a company called uh, Prudential Retirement, which is an insurance yeah. firm. That's the one. Yeah. And some others, you know, so it's great. So that's really the first lesson. The second lesson is what you and I talked about as well as trust. And a lot of times, you know, companies that are just trying to bring love into the boardroom without really understanding whether or not there's a good foundation of trust in the workplace, it's hard. So I say trust. Love lesson number two is um, the absence of trust makes it impossible for love to grow. Um, the third one is that I talk about how um, we already have the ability to track 
analyze and measure the impact of love, right? So things like low churn rates, higher margins, deeper adoption, um, increased net promoter scores. There's a number of things that are specific to each industry or business where you can already track and analyze and measure the impact, which is is lesson number three. Um, Number four is that positivity, and we learned this from Dr. Fredrickson, who I love, um, can be a serious business and love is its greatest form. So that's, that's level number four. Positivity, actually, there's 10 forms of it. Love is its greatest form. And you actually need to have three positive thoughts for every negative thought mm-hmm. in order for uh, love to blossom in this life. So it's something to pay attention to, but it's all about positivity being serious business and love is its greatest form. And finally, number five, which is one that was really for me born out of personal experience um, and the different kinds of service jobs I've had, you know, serving others is that you can care for people that you do not love. But if you love to care, the impact stands to be exponential. And that's love lesson number five, that you, you don't have to love everybody, but if you genuinely enjoy caring for them, um, that impact of love is still there and it'll still blossom. So those are the five love lessons um, as I summarize. And you, people can find them on um, my LinkedIn page, for example, uh, uh, an article that I've they've actually written at the start of this love quest of mine um, where that's published there. I'm, I'm going to include several links, including the link to your YouTube video of the must. Right. right. Perfect. And also to um, Barbara, what's her name? Uh, Frederick. Yes. 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 Sorry, Barbara. <laughs> and and also the other point is you you were senior vice president of uh, of Hyatt, right? I mean, like, like yeah. it was a global uh, job where you're in charge of well-being or something like that, right? Yes. Uh, yes. The reason I mentioned that is that, you know, like, like you're, not, you're not just a chief love officer without a background of, you know, right. solid corporate, uh, you know, work and, and, and expertise and yes. Yes. the whole works. You understand how organizations work and what is necessary and what business strategies need to be in place. So you're bringing all that into the equation. Yes. And thanks for mentioning that, but you're right. I mean, I've held um, leadership positions for public and private companies, startups and established companies. Um, The last of, I was chief brand officer of a company that I helped to successfully exit and become acquired. Um, So I have helped, held several corporate roles. Um, Hyatt, it was for the global head of well-being, spanning a thousand hotels in a hundred countries, um, looking at both health and wellness commercially and internally. Um, so I can, and I've overseen workplace wellness operations on the campuses of companies like Google and Intel and others. And so you're right. It's not just about being touchy feely. In fact, I would say those are the positions that actually led me to this calling of really helping to institutionalize love as a business strategy, because it's actually one of the reasons for my success in the early years before I started calling it that. And this research that I had done helped me to understand that 
um, I should celebrate that character strength, that leadership strength of being someone who freely loves um, people um, versus hiding away from it or feeling awkward about talking to it. And so, yes, I've been in boardrooms of publicly traded companies and I've presented business cases and had budgets approved and headcount approved and so forth. Um, but I also was the one, the first person that would give you a hug um, at the end of the, uh, at the end of the day, or take a moment to really ask you about your family. And because I genuinely cared. And now I realized that those were the moments that were the secret of my success. Not that I could just read a spreadsheet. Yeah. Uh, I want people to know this. I want people to know that this works and that it it's, um, and it would help their companies work as well. You yes. Know? Um, it's grounded well, countries countries and cities countries, it can help yes countries. the whole world the whole world, the whole world. Yeah. if we just let it if we just let it yeah Martin yeah. Luther King Martin Luther King said that the only thing that can actually beat hate is love I mean yeah. when I researched hit you know many some of my research brought me to some of his amazing speeches but he said that the only thing more powerful than hate is love. And he was so right. And that was 50 years ago now. And, you know, we don't have to keep learning this lesson. We have to like listen to people that were before us and actually combat hate with love. Yeah. I noticed that. I noticed you ended with that, with, with this. And you didn't, you know, go on about it. You just had a photograph of him you know, and, and some quote or other. You also had great quotes, um, business quotes. I, I didn't, you know, note them here, but they were great quotes from different people, including a guy in Malaysia, actually, an Indian yes. guy, right? Um, Rashan Viran, who was the leader, CEO and founder of um, Leaderonomics Group. And he talks, you know, one of, that's one of my favorite quotes. In fact, I'm going to pull this up because I think it's worth for your, your readers to hear it. Rashan said, yeah. um, most business leaders have a disinclination to embrace love as a business strategy because they're conditioned to believe that leadership means being cutthroat, aggressive, and mean. I call that the Wall Street mentality. Um, and I love that he actually just put it right out there and said, you know, they're not embracing love because the way they taught about leadership was to basically elbow your way to the top. It doesn't matter if bodies left behind. And so, um, you know, I discovered a lot of, of, of quotes like that where people that started to wonder, wow, are we doing this the wrong way? It's you know, a okay. very old paradigm. It's very old thinking. Okay. Yes. It's not going to get us anywhere. Okay. Um, all the things that we've done, when I say we, it's part of humanity has done, right? Where it's about grabbing and hoarding, right? Um, that's scarcity consciousness. That's fear. Okay. Yes. Where someone has to win and someone has to lose versus both parties winning. And we, we're not going to survive, let alone thrive, if we keep going down that road, full stop. Yes. Okay? yes. And, and there may be some we won't be able to talk to about this, which is okay. We only need some, a critical mass, right, who will listen and who will do this. 
Exactly. We really have to do it, Mia, right? We do. We do. So will you recruit other people to do this with you? Well, I hope, I mean, quite possibly, yes. I actually have, you know, people that I work with that are getting much more comfortable with this concept of love. I hope every day I recruit new followers, you know, because I can't do this on my own. I need to have people like you, Helen, that have have heard this in Singapore and I'm in the United States and now you're bringing um, a microphone to it and, you know, championing your part of the world. Um, I know a woman in uh, that's had an amazing brand trade association in Portugal. She's changed her title to chief love officer um, and she started to champion this. And so as far as I'm concerned, it's another kind of gospel. And if I can somehow be the, the evangelist, you know, the priest, the beacon and bring all the ships into the harbor and we can just make this, you know, catch like wildfire around the globe. That's wonderful. That's, that's really my calling. It's what I feel like I'm here to do every day, help people live well and love more. And, um, you're, you're helping me do that. And this woman in Portugal and many others. So I feel like I'm already recruiting, um, chief love officers and they're, they're manifesting before my eyes. And so it's very rewarding and I hope it continues. Yeah. Well, let's collaborate on this somehow in some way, you know, yes. uh, because you make my heart sing. Um, I just want to see lots of people doing something like this, right? It doesn't have to be this specifically, but uh, the end result is, you know, a higher consciousness for yes. all of humanity and a totally different world, right? Yes. Um, we need, a minimum of 10 years to do this um, because I'm talking about the masses. I'm talking about yes. right? I'm talking about um, governments, organizations of all kinds. Yes. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> I mean, maybe if we're successful, we'll, we'll hit other planets where there's life forms. That's how big we have to think. Um, so I really do feel like we need to just continue to preach the gospel and others will follow um, because I know it's the right path forward. I know it from my head to my toes and where my heart is centrally located. Um, I really know it from, from my heart to yours and everyone else's. And so we can do this. We have to do this so that we can ensure that humanity and people, planet and community live together and coexist for centuries to come. Um, this is the path forward. Yeah. And, and also thinking of our mutual friend, Neil, where it has worked for six senses, right? Yes. I mean, he, he has been opening lots of hotels uh, in the last year um, yeah. or couple of years, right? Yes. There's money there. There's plenty to also to be had by everybody. And we have to think in terms of, the collective and not just the individual. Yeah. yeah. Rising tides will rise, raise all boats, right? That's really that old cliche. Um, we just need to love as the tide and everyone else can elevate um, and operate at a higher level. So. Well, uh, firstly, thank you, Mia, for this time with you. Um, secondly, 
I would like I, to invite some of my uh, special uh, podcast guests to conduct masterclasses, right? And then maybe on to something else. Uh, we can talk about it. Uh, you don't have to say yes. I'm kind of putting, <laughs> putting you on the spot now, but you don't have to say yes right now. You know, it'd be, it'd be great. And, you know, just to share from our hearts. Yeah, right? absolutely. And absolutely. Basically, you know. It was a great start, Helen, and I really appreciate you inviting me to to join your podcast. And um, we're doing something right because love connected the two of us, right? So th- big thanks to Neil. Um, but it's already happening, right? So it's it, this is promising indeed. So thank you. You know, um, I shouldn't say this now. I'll tell you after we finished. But you said something really fun, cute and funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wanted I want to share that with you. Um, is there something else about yourself? Oh, okay. Before we we finish this, how about I, I failed to ask you this before? What got you started first? Not just on this about love being a business strategy, but even to get into the wellness business? What, what started you on that path? Uh, really simply, again, out of a challenge bore a life's mission, which was, um, it was, I was working in the dot-com space and I was going back to uh, get my master's degree. And um, I had seen a lot of my colleagues lose so much money in the stock market crash of March of 21 of 2001. And I had applied back to business school And the first week that I got to business school, I had borrowed all of this money um, to pay for an MBA at Cornell um, and 9-11 happened. Mm. And I thought it just shook me. And that instance combined with what I had seen sort of the underbelly of the business world and the dot-com world. um, I wanted to better align my personal and professional ideals and wellness was the part of the hospitality industry that had stagnated, but then started to recover faster than others. And I paid attention to it. And I felt like if I can help people live longer, happier, richer lives, I mean, quality to their years live as as long as possible, as young as possible, and be better humans. Um, wellness is the way that I could do that. And that's when I started breaking into that space. And so it was very much a calling born out of a very difficult time in history, much like love was born out of the pandemic for me. And um, so I had a very big deja vu feeling um, and it's been the secret to my success is finding the light to climb out of a dark hole and finding the mission and the reason to live. And that's what love and wellness has been for me. So then actually love as a business strategy is a natural extension from the yes. wellness, right? I mean, yes. yes, take care of ourselves and be well is part of loving ourselves. Yes. And I, and much like you said at the start of this podcast, which is, you know, to legitimize the business of wellness, we needed to quantify it. And I helped build organizations that did that. And now we can say it's a four and a half trillion dollar global economy. That's three times the size of the global pharmaceutical industry. And we can speak in numbers, dollars and cents across all the 10 segments of that economy. Well, 
taking that recipe and applying it to the business of love because we successfully did that before. And now I say that the global wellness economy is the what? It's the what I, I, it's the world I play in every day. And love is the how has been a wonderful way to replicate that, that recipe for success um, and now continue to do good in the world and hopefully realize my mission of helping people live well and love more. That's it. So you also had some challenges perhaps in the wellness industry, right? Yes. Right? Yes. So that Absolutely. prepared you and trained you to do yeah. this now. <laughs> yes. I mean, like wellness is, was, you know, at the many times early on in my career was really looked at as something that was touchy or feely, or you lived on a commune and you smoked pot and, you know, you, and it was just these strange rituals that people did when they were tripping on acid versus, you know, literally having both business evidence and health evidence behind proactive ways in which we care for ourselves, which ultimately is what wellness is. Um, so yes, I, I had, I had good experience of being um, treated poorly in one industry to make a business case that now I am using other people's terms deemed a thought leader and expert in on a global scale, right? Now I'm taking that to love and I'm just, the runway is going to be a lot shorter because I've, I'm smarter and I know what works and doesn't work. And so, but I know it works. So um, I feel very grateful to the experiences I've had, the hard ones, um, because they've only enabled me to put on my boxing gloves and keep fighting the fight. And I have to say we're winning. So yeah, it's good. this is actually the magic of life. You know, it's, it's we, we, if we flow with it, we actually constantly being prepared for the next bit. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, Mia, that was really wonderful. I absolutely love you and uh, hope we yeah, can do lots of things together one of these days, you know, no, no pressure. <laughs> so, yes. Thank you, Helen. Thank you for having me. It was so great being here and um, I need to run to my next thing, but what a lovely way for me to start my day. So thank you so much. Okay. Um, bless you and catch you soon. Yes, for sure. Big hugs and love to Singapore. See you later. Thank you. I haven't had a chance to speak with Mia after our great interview as yet. But in fact, as I mentioned at the start of this episode, I'm planning to line up a series of masterclasses to be conducted by various podcast guests of mine. And I, including Mia, possibly followed up by causes thereafter for some of them. I'm very excited about this and other events I will be organizing for all of you in the near future. In the name of contributing as much as I can to helping individuals and organizations all over the world to transform and thrive in the years ahead. In the meantime, come join our powerful monthly lives. Zoom sessions where I personally coach you and facilitate shifts for you in intimate groups and give you an awesome key to mastery you can use for life to continue this amazing work 
I'll show you how to do for yourself, including loving and honoring yourself greatly as well as others. Just check out transformandthrive.club transformandthrive.club and sign up there or write to me at enquiries with an I-E-S at lehighs.com L-E-E-H-E-I-S-S.com for more details. Once again, enquiries at lehighs.com and transform and thrive.club. You'll love these sessions and the help you'll be receiving to greatly transform and thrive, to fall in love with yourself, to create a wonderful life of abundance and purpose, and be your most powerfully, most powerfully loving and wiser self, and also superbly successful in all areas of your life, including business. This is Helen Lee on the Transform and Thrive show. Much love to you. Wishing you endless possibilities of great joy and freedom, peace and abundance at all levels, especially at this time. Happy transforming and thriving. You have the power to do so masterfully and joyously. Thank you for joining me. Your presence is vital and very, very much appreciated. As always, bye for now.